Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the business. Now, here are your hosts, internet brand strategist Sandra Beck. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and I've got a great show for you today. We're going to learn how to present like a rock star. Now, I know many of you guys are virtual working at home or you're, what do you call it, telecommuting, all those different things, but there are times when we need to make a presentation and one of the things that I have found that standing in front of a group is so much harder than just sitting in my office or in my sound studio here talking on the microphone and I don't like to present in public. I don't like to stand up there and look at people and have all these people looking back at me, yet I pick up a microphone and I can do fine. So I reached out to uh, one of the experts in my sphere of influence, and he is an expert at presenting. And he's going to talk to us today how to present like a rock star. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our guest, Randy Pazin. Randy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on board. And uh, it's kind of funny to be called an expert, but okay. So I've got a very, very bizarre background when it comes to public speaking. For the last 11 years... I have been working for one of the top-tier defense companies and going around the country and speaking about a number of different topics, including how to be a better presenter. And the way that I got to this career, uh, and before working for the defense company, I worked in the healthcare industry doing the exact same thing, the organizational development and training, and then I worked for a... uh, a very, very large reprographics company that you would all know if, uh, if I said the name. And then uh, I also worked for a company that's uh, really a media company. And so working in different industries, I was able to, to do this. One of the things that, uh, that I think really helped me with, with my career is in addition to doing all of these things, I was very lucky and proud to be able to spend 14 years in the reserves. And what was so weird about that is that not only did I get to, you know, serve your country, which is, which is very important to me, but also to do the things that I do in the civilian world, in the, in the military world. And so I spent the first part of that as basically a door gunner in a helicopter unit that was assigned to fly the West Coast SEAL teams. And, uh, and then after 9-11, when, uh, when my first enlistment was, was over, I got that letter in the mail that said, you're not going anywhere. We need everybody. And the military found out what I did as a civilian, as, as basically a, a corporate trainer and public speaker, and said, no, you're going to go ahead and be the enlisted training program coordinator for a very, very large overseas command. And so I got to speak to flag rank people, admirals in, in the Navy speak, and, as well as very, very senior officers, as well as all the enlisted folks. And what was weird in that is that I was speaking to people who so far outranked me. And so what I did, because I know many of you have a, have a military background as well, is I just started every presentation with sir and ma'am and ended it with sir and ma'am. And, and then I was able to be a smart aleck all in between for four or five hours, and it worked out great. So uh, the, the way I got to this career, honestly, was I wanted to be a lawyer. And I was in court, and I was working with uh, actual attorneys while I was in school. And uh, the company that I was working for, which is which a large healthcare, healthcare company, and uh, I started winning all these cases that people who were actual attorneys were losing. And that got a little bit of attention. And, and one day, believe it or not, at corporate games, they said, hey, you know, we've, we've watched you and you can think on your feet. Why don't you be a motivational speaker, a public speaker, or a corporate trainer? 
for us. And at first I dismissed that. And then I wound up having a literally a six hour interview with the head of uh, learning and development. And, uh, and he turned to me, what can I tell you? And I, I've never looked back. I've had an amazing and improbable career where I've spoken all over the country and, and had a blast. And a lot of things I'm going to talk about today were discovered, uh, you know, trial and error, and they're all proven best practices. And I really sincerely hope it makes a difference in how you speak. Now, I'm different from, from Sandra. I would much rather speak in front of an audience than, than do something virtual. And, and as my career has grown, I've learned that, uh, that this is the way we do a lot of speaking now is in the virtual world, kind of like what we're doing now. So, I'm going to hopefully share some of those best secrets. So that's that's me in a, in a very short nutshell. I could spend the whole hour talking about myself, but that's not, <laughs> yes, you could. That's not that's not important. <laughs> so why do you think people are so afraid to speak in public? Like I know I don't like to look at people, and when people look at me, I have a hard time thinking at the same time. I tend to go blank. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it's so funny. American Psychological does a, a, a survey every year, and they ask. What are like the six things that people are, are the most afraid of? And they list things like deep water, being alone, being in debt, public speaking, uh, death, all these things. And what's so funny is when you look at those things in order, and this, this study has been repeated year over year over year, the number one thing that people say that they're the most afraid of, and they actually have a, a psychological term for it, is, is fear of public speaking. In fact, that's the number one thing. And the number five thing is death. <laughs> and so what I always ask people is, so on balance, if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the box than giving the eulogy? I don't, Absolutely. I don't, I don't understand that at all. So, so you know, we talk about this, this fear and the fear comes, and we talk about butterflies in your stomach. That, that comes, I think, from a number of different sources. One is you haven't had enough time to practice what you're going to be speaking about. You don't have the self-confidence to know that you're there for a reason. I'm going to address all these things. And, and you don't have some of the proven techniques that I'm going to share with you in the next uh, few minutes. So, uh, the, the funny thing is, you know, if, if you, and, and you can relate to this, Andrew, you know, if, if, if somebody wanted to just exchange carbon dioxide for oxygen, they would get a plant, right? right? They, don't, they don't need you to get up and speak. And the thing that, that, that our audience members need to know is that if, if you're up there speaking about something, even if you're speaking to somebody who is higher in your organization or someone that you may perceive is smarter than you or more educated than you or has more experience, no one in today's business world is going to waste time and money having you up there presenting just for fun, just for show. Let's just run it through its paces. No one has that kind of time. I don't, I don't care whether you're working in an organization with five people or, or 50,000 or 100,000 or 120,000 uh, like I do. We don't have that kind of time. And so what we really have to do is, is get in our mind that we're there for a reason. And then uh, I'm going to address some of these things later, but let me give away the ending. It's like when I went to see the movie Titanic, I blew it for the audience. I stood up and said, the boat sinks. So I'm going to give away the end right now. And, and I'll tell you about the eye thing when you don't like people looking at you. So uh, eye contact is one of those those best practices I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. But since you brought it up, can we talk about it now? Well, we can. we got a few minutes before commercial break. Okay, okay, so really quick. The thing with eye contact is eye contact really helps not only the speaker, but it helps the audience. We all know that looking at someone's eyes or the window of the soul and, and all that. But here's the thing that a lot of people who teach public speaking, and, and they, they teach this, I, I believe, incorrectly. And one of the most common things 
they tell people is, wow, when you're, when you're nervous, look at the top of people's heads, right? You've probably heard that before. Look at the top of their head. Well, what happens is, is when you're someone who's not comfortable looking at people in the eye, and this can be with just a, a one-on-one relationship, even on a date, what happens is you start to think. And when you start to think, you're, you start to look up. You start to think and look up. And pretty soon you're speaking to the ceiling. And I'm sure that many people have been to a presentation where the speaker looks like they're praying because they're looking at the ceiling and there's nothing up there. Then the audience starts to look up there and all of a sudden everyone's looking at the ceiling. What I always tell people is if you have trouble looking at people in the eye, look at their forehead and and try this at home. When when you get done with whatever you're doing, find somebody in your office or at your home, find a stranger on the street and look at their forehead. And what you do is, it's great if they have a pimple on their forehead. If they have a pimple, this works really well. (laughs) Stare longingly into their pimple or into their forehead. And to the person, it appears that you're actually looking at them in the eye. I actually learned this in the military when when I had to yell at people who were a lot, uh, well, bigger than I was. Because I would start to crack up on some of the things I would say. And, and I had a, a senior person tell me one time, just look at their forehead, you'll be fine. And I brought that into the civilian world and it absolutely works. So when you get done with this, if you're someone who has trouble looking at people in the eye, well, try looking longingly into their forehead. And I'm going to tell you it will work. Works great on dates, too, for those of you who are, are single. Now, the thing is, as far as it, it freaks you out, it, it's kind of funny because this is one of the techniques that I tell people if you want to get those butterflies to fly in information is if you're giving a, a presentation, especially if it's something that's live, I always tell people when they walk in, when, when the audience starts to walk in the room, find a friend in that audience. And if you can just kind of speak to that friend and talk to that friend, that's going to be what's going to help you. Because let me just ask, ask Sandra, because she's the only one who can talk back right now. What will friends not allow you to do? This is this is one word right, begins with an F. Fail. Right. Absolutely. Friends will not let you fail. So if you have a friend in the audience, find that friend. And I'm not saying to just speak to that friend, especially if you're in a larger room. But every once in a while, as you're making eye contact and going from person to person or, or group to group, if it's a large audience, look at that person. Look at their face. And if they are covering their eyes and shaking their head or their head is between their knees, you know you're doing something wrong. You might want to change that behavior. But if they're looking at you and they're smiling and they're giving you a thumbs up and they're saying rock on with their body language, you know that you're doing okay. So focus on that. Now, if you're someone like me who goes around and speaks to audiences and you may not know somebody in that room, here's what you do. The first poor sucker that walks in the room, that's your new best friend. Find that person, talk to them, just share a little bit about yourself, find out a few things about them, and then that person is the person that you're now looking for in the audience to make sure, because they're not going to let you fail either. So interesting that we we bring that up, you know, kind of early in, in our talk today, but the eye contact thing definitely works. And once they're engaged with you and they start participating and having fun, you're going to relax. And again, that will help get the, uh, the butterflies to fly in formation. Does that, does that help? Well, it does help. I mean, one of the things that is really hard for me, Randy, and we can talk about this, you know, after the commercial break coming up is 
I can think really good. I can think when I'm by myself. I can think when I have quiet. But when I'm standing in front of a group and they're looking at me, and even worse, looking at me in the eye, it seems like I've disconnected my brain somehow. And it's really hard for me to formulate words unless it's something that's like rote memory that I've done a million times. Now, I need to take us to commercial break right now. This is Sandra Beck and Coach Talk Radio. Now, if you want to learn more about Randy Pazin, you can go to Two Trees Leadership Training, and he is out in Ventura, uh, Ventura, California, lucky guy, and he is somebody that's going to walk us through some of these things about presenting like a rock star. We're going to learn how to um, kind of get our content together, what our objectives are, some of these different things that we have to go through in our steps in our presentations. So when we come back from the break, we're going to learn a whole lot more. You're not going to want to miss it. Back after these messages. Get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky crookie of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. Call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hiya, kitties. Sergeant Mambo here reminding you, you're listening to AstronetRadio.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Golf is a good way to supplement your fitness program, but watch out for golf injuries. The most common occur in the low back, elbows, shoulders, hands, and wrists and are defined as either cumulative from overuse or acute traumatic injuries. The impact and stress of the repetitive motion of the swing is sometimes hard on the muscles and joints. The Mayo Clinic says it's important to consider ways to reduce your risk of golf injuries. They recommend that you warm up first. Be sure to start slowly, work up to your desired level of play, strengthen your muscles to protect your joints, and reduce your risk of injury and build up your endurance. Focus on flexibility and keep your muscles pliable, strong, and flexible. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business. 
Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and we're here with Coach Talk Radio and we're visiting with a leadership presentation and just overall uh, great guy, Randy Pazin, and he is going to teach us today how to present like a rock star. And for those of you who are listening to the first segment, I didn't have to do anything. It was like the easiest radio host job in the world today because he's such a good presenter. And one of the things that I really liked about you, Randy, and it's funny because you're in a sound studio, you're you're not in front of an audience, yet your voice has so much enthusiasm, and you clearly love what you do. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I'm, I'm very lucky in that I get to to do what I like to do, and, and it, you've all heard, you know, if, you, if you're doing what you like to do, it's not really work. Uh, and I would do this for free, although I, I probably can't. But uh, but I would. I, I love what what I do, and and I've heard this comment before about like I want what he's drinking. You know, that kind of well, thing. Well, were you like this as a little kid? Like, did you just pop out like on Christmas morning or birthday going, Mom, what did I get for a present? Hey, wow, look at that bow in the bed. Well, la, 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 la. well it's funny that you bring that you bring my mom up because uh, whereas, whereas some people are afraid to talk to strangers and they what you were kind of describing, I think my mom encouraged me to talk to strangers. And so that that might be from an early childhood thing. Or, <laughs> she got or, tired right, of listening to Right, you. exactly. Go talk, go talk to that stranger. Maybe he'll abduct you. But uh, but no, I, it, it, I, I do like what I do. And this is such an important topic because I have people that come up gosh at least once a week if not if not more than that and say you know I, I have to go make this presentation I have to go speak to the Air Force or the Navy or the Department of Defense or DCAA or I have to go get, I have to go sell something or I have to talk to my team about something difficult and I'm I'm horrible I literally want to pee and, and, and it's it's really talking this is talking it's whether you talk to one person if you talk to you know five or you know, ten thousand people which I've done it's it's not it's not difficult well five thousand well 5, all right 000. let's be fair here it is difficult for some people people and it reminds me of the toy story thing where these guys like falling and then there's falling with style well you're (laughs) presenting and you're presenting with style because i think the rest of us get a little tongue-tied we get a little nervous and presentation skills are part of everybody's job i don't care if you're a teacher i don't care if you're looking for a job you're presenting yourself i mean presentation skills don't just have to mean standing up in front of a group a lot of these virtual meetings um, you have to present and you don't even get to see their faces for feedback. Right. It's like a double-edged sword. Right. And, and what I meant was it's not easy. It's going to be easy once you learn all my little secrets, which I'm going to tell okay. you in just a few minutes. So it will be easy. You'll go, God, I was silly. This is, this is so easy. It's talking. So, yeah, and, and you know what's interesting is teachers come and take these classes from, from us all the time because they, they want to improve their presentation skills. Just going through a degree and getting a teaching credential doesn't mean that you're necessarily a public speaker. Whether you're an executive doesn't mean that you're necessarily a great speaker as well. So, so let me give away three secrets right now. And again, this is me at the Titanic movie. So the, the first secret of public speaking, you have to ask yourself – Three questions. Here's the first question. Are you going to make a difference in your audience's life? And that audience could be one person or it could be 5,000 people. Are you going to make a difference? That's the, and if you can say yes, you're probably going to be successful in your presentation. The, the second thing is, are you going to engage your audience? Now, we've all probably been to lectures, whether you were in elementary school or high school or college or, or, or sadly, probably a lot of corporate speakers or business speakers lecture to you and have lectured to you. That's one way. But when you engage your audience, you get them to participate and answer questions that you ask, even if you already know the answer, then guess what? Those answers and that presentation is not just Randy or Sandra speaking. 
it's their answers and it's their presentation and they're going to learn and more importantly, they're going to retain and use the information that you're presenting later. So question one, are you going to make a difference? Question two, are you going to engage them? And the third thing is, are you going to play your music loud? And Sandra, what do you think I mean when I say in, in doing presentations, are you going to play your music loud? Wow, you know, I'm here taking notes because as a radio host, I get to learn all this stuff and presenting is like a big part of my job. So I'm like, ooh, these are some really good questions. Um, am I going to play my music loud would be, am I going to go for it? Like, am I going to give it all I got and, and really tap into what I have to give for that right. day? Are, are you being passionate? About oh, what well, you speak about. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, it's okay. It's, it's, I've done this one before. So it's, 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 are you going to be passionate? And, and think about if you've ever been to a music concert. Now, I don't care whether, and I'm going to date myself a little bit. I, I, the best concert I ever went someone to. someone else will. No, yeah, exactly, yeah, look at the picture. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is the best concert that I ever went to was a, an outdoor concert with John Denver where he, his, this is so, Ironically I really tragic. Didn't say John Denver. I really said John Denver. Do we have to hum Rocky Mountain High? We can, but I don't think anyone wants to hear me sing. So I think there's a law in some states against that. So here's the thing. John Denver, very ironic, his plane uh, had a problem when I was in college. And he, instead of sitting at the hotel, went to the, the college amphitheater and played on a, an acoustic guitar in an amphitheater a full concert. And he was so passionate with no backup singers or, or sound effects or, you know, human sacrifices that they do. And in, 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 it's nothing. It was just him on a guitar. But there was so much passion behind what he was doing that everything he was saying was just sinking in. And you've all seen passionate speakers before. And you've got extremes. You've got Tony Robbins on one end who's, who's super, super passionate. And then you've got those people who you, you could literally just slit your throat. Your pulse gets down to five. You want to be passionate, just like you see in a, in a, in a music concert. No one wants to pay money to go and watch somebody go through, yeah, here I am strumming my guitar. Well, but to be fair, aren't some topics easier to be passionate about than others? Like, to me, it's really hard to be passionate. You know, like I went to the Stephen Covey one week uh, thing in Salt Lake City like 20 years ago with right. scheduling, like how to right. schedule, how to make tasks, how to make lists. And it was really good. Right. but. You know, barring, you know, bringing Chippendales dancers on there to dance around in cowboy boots and little hats, uh, it's it's hard to make that topic interesting. Well, let me tell you. I actually, uh, I, I got to tell you. So uh, it's funny because I, I happen to like the Covey family. I've had a chance to meet uh, some of the Coveys and, and I'm big fans of the family and, and they do great work. Uh, but I'll tell you, some of the topics are not interesting. Let me let me give you an example, Sandra. And, and to the audience, if, if I was to say to you, it's important not to waste time at work. And then stop with that. Are you going to go home and tell the family, tell the kids, tell the neighbors, tell your coworkers that Randy today said it's important not to waste time? No, I wouldn't even remember. In it. one ear and out the other, right? Exactly. Now, I'm going to take just a little bit longer, but not much longer, and share something with you. So uh, I'm, I live in Ventura County, and that's very close to Los Angeles County. And I did some research. And last year... According to the University of California at Santa Barbara, last year, the median salary in Los Angeles County was $85,500. Now, 
That includes benefits, paid time off. That's the total compensation, not average, median. Median salary, $85,500. Now, if you took that and divided it by 2,080, which is the alleged number of hours that a full-time employee works based on a 40-hour work week and two weeks vacation and blah, 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 the alleged number of hours, you get about $41.10, okay? Divide that by 60, you get 69 cents a minute, as far as oh as my far god, sixty nine cents a minute is the so, median salary. Okay, so if I'm on Facebook for ten minutes, I was just paid six dollars and ninety cents to be on Facebook. Or if right. I fall asleep at my desk, which I did recently for like forty five minutes, I've slept my way through like twenty five bucks. Right. So that's my point. <laughs> so here's, no, it's okay. It's okay. Talk about giving away the end of the movie. So here's the thing. Now, sixty nine cents a minute. So. I'm going to ask you all to be honest with yourselves because I can't hear you. How many of you waste 30 minutes a day at work? Now, I want to define what waste is before you get upset. Waste is looking for something that you can't find, searching the Internet for some data that you can't find, maybe talking with somebody about American Idol so you think you can dance, America's Got Talent, uh, something like that, a TV show that's popular, a sporting event. Now, I will tell you that, that I personally will admit that I waste 30 minutes a day at work, most days. Now, that's not a big deal when you think about, okay, so, so 30 minutes times 69 cents, 20 bucks, $20.70. That's not a lot of money for, for, I mean, it's a lot of money to me personally if I had to give Sandra $20, but it's not a lot of money when you think about business. Now, if you multiply that by 260 work days a year, you get about $5,300. Now, again, a lot of money to me personally, but, but to, to businesses, especially large businesses, $5,000, probably not. In fact, you probably spent more time you know, talking about $5,000 than, than $5,000 is worth. But when you think about just, let's say you work for a small business and you have 15 coworkers, that's $86,000 that you've just wasted by talking about something on television, looking for something you can't find, searching for a data file, being on Facebook. Facebook. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, And what's so interesting about that is that according to their study, we don't waste 30 minutes a day. The average worker wastes 108 minutes a day at work, which totally... So wait a minute, hold on. How many... So that's 60... So that 60 is an hour and then 40, so an hour and 48 minutes, so like two hours a day. Something like that. Because you got to pee, you got to... Right, now like, this, this is not taking into account bio breaks and things bio like that. Bio breaks, is yeah. that what you call them? Well, yeah, yeah, got to be politically correct. So if, if you're taking, that's not this, this is wasting time. This is not being productive, not looking and finding, this is talking about sports. If you multiply that out, it's, it's 290,000 and change. A day. Now, ask yourself, how much do you get paid a year? How much? Not what, enough. Well, yeah, exactly. But if, but if you are looking for another full-time employee to make your life easy, if you wasted less time, you would have, what, two, three, four times the resources that you currently have in your workplace to make life easy. So now, if I say it's important not to waste time, because if you had an extra $290,000, we would be in a much, much, I mean, our studio would be in Hawaii. So two ways of saying something, don't waste time, which is a snoozer, or 
saying it the way I just did. Okay, I agree. That was very interesting. And now it just made me really frustrated with my employees because I'm thinking I own my own company. How much time are they wasting? How much is it costing me? So I think that was really good for employees. But for owners, you just sit there going, crap. All right, I need to take us to commercial break. Uh, This is Coach Talk Radio. I am your host, Sandra Beck. We are visiting today with Randy Pazin. And he owns a company called Two Trees Leadership Training. So you're going to want to Google him. Uh, Pazin is spelled P-A-Z-E-N. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about how to present like a rock star. We'll be back after the messages. about Mel and Joyce Swanky, a Nebraska couple that have worn matching outfits for the last 35 years? Apparently, they have over 140 matching outfits, all custom-made, which typically match her dress with his tie. The couple is a match made in heaven. Neither one of them can remember the exact date they started this quirky tradition, but they both contend it's one of the elements that have held their marriage together an impressive 65 years. What do you call a marriage between well-matched people? No Macamosis. Mr. and Mrs. Schwanky say that Velcro connects them because they do everything together. If you like doting on your wife with excessive fondness, you would be uxorious. And a woman who is excessively devoted to her husband is Maritorious. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hi, you kiddies. Sergeant Mambo here reminding you, you're listening to AstronetRadio.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Even though the numbers are a little better, our country is still in crisis when it comes to childhood obesity. The numbers of overweight and obese children are staggering. It's time to get serious about conquering childhood obesity and really obesity in general. There are so many reasons why weight has a significant impact on the medical, emotional, and social health of people of any age. But many people do not know that if you are obese... With a body mass index over 40, you have a 50% greater risk of death from cancer than those of normal weight. Obesity is associated with 20% of cancer deaths in women and 14% of cancer deaths in men. Let's get serious about exercise and healthy eating and obliterate obesity. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and we are learning how to present like a rock star from a rock star and our guest today is Randy Pazin and you can find him on Facebook. Uh, the easiest way to find him is through his last name, P-A-Z-E-N. I don't think there's a whole lot of you out there. It's a very not. name. <laughs> You're lucky, because if you were like Joe Smith, we'd be in trouble. Um, we were talking before the break about um, 
asking before you make a presentation, are you going to make a difference in your listener's life? Are you going to engage your audience? And are you going to play your music loud? So I think you really demonstrated that um, to our audience. And for those of you who love what you hear today, you need to check us out on iTunes under Coach Talk Radio. You need to go to our host station, toginet.com, look up Coach Talk Radio. There are shows like this, many of them from industry leader executives and uh even great tips from the trenches when we bring our administrative uh, service shows on. It's really, really great because we try to provide everything you need during your workday so that while you're working and you're listening, you're increasing your skills and making our uh, environment better for everybody. So I'm going to turn the mic back over to Randy because he's going to talk about some of these success steps that he has, that he has used over his 20 plus years in leadership training what kind of training have you done name it professional development leadership coaching all this stuff so there's a couple things that that i always tell people to do and this will help you get it well let's let's start with before you even get on stage so the first thing you really need to do when you're getting ready to make a presentation whether it's sales or if it's something about we have a new product or we're taking a product away or we're making a change in the organization whatever whatever your reason is first thing you got to do is you got to figure out who you're speaking to and you definitely want to tailor your presentation if you if you full of people with with different ages, different generations, different experience levels, uh, different ranks in an organization, if you will. And so, uh, if you're lucky enough, you want to make sure that you're able to to figure out who you're speaking to and, and tailor it to that. So so. You can do that sometimes by speaking to leadership if you're in a large organization or reaching out to individuals and find out what their experience level is. Uh, maybe look at what their age level is. Now, I don't want to be any kind of discriminatory or anything like that, but definitely speaking to a group of millennials versus uh, a group of veterans when you look at generations, you might want to tailor, tailor your presentation, your graphics, handouts to, to match those unique skill sets. But uh, for example, if I was going out and speaking to a group of engineers, let's say, I would early on in my presentation, knowing that they're engineers, would say something like, wow, I feel out of control. I wish I had something like an accelerometer in my brain so I know that I can you know, just be straight for the rest of the day. Now, I will tell you in the spirit of full disclosure, I don't have an idea of what an accelerometer does. I know that they exist. I know it's part of inertial navigation. I know that there were on the helicopters that I was in, but I don't really know what an accelerometer does. But my audience now thinks that I'm one of them. If I'm speaking to a group of accountants, let's say finance people, I might say something like, wow, I'm glad they were able to join me today. And, and I'm so glad that we're at this time of the month because we're not facing DSO and we can just focus on our presentation. Now, the audience is like DSO. DSO stands for Daily Sales Outstanding. Oh, my God, he's one of us. He knows us. Now I've just gained a bunch of credibility. Assess your audience and bring to your audience a little bit of background. Don't try and BS them, but just go over and say, yeah, DSO, and then, then you just keep moving on to your topic. The second thing you've got to do after you assess your audience and, and, and making sure you know what you're going to be speaking about is, is learning what the objectives really are when you speak. Are you trying to make them feel good? Are you trying to convey some knowledge? Are you trying to let them know about change? What is it that you hope to accomplish at the end of your presentation? And then ask yourself, how are you going to get there? Because the goal of any communication is to get the information from my brain 
to your audience's brain and then to make that, you know, me being you and then making that information stick. So it retains. And we all know that as adults get older and older and older, and we're so busy with what we're doing, retention's hard to do. So you got to get the information from your brain to their brain and make it stick so they can apply it and they have fine interest. So again, you know, why is it important not to waste time? Because if we, you know, if we had more money in the budget, we might have new computers. We might have this, we might have that. I know. And I've already forgot what you said. So what was the point? The whole point. The whole point is not to waste time because if you don't, if you, if you're not wasting time, you'll, you'll probably have more money in the budget. If you have more money in the budget, you'll get whatever it is you, you know, you might get new computers or better offices or, or whatever. That's the, the whole point. So there you go. So, um, yeah, Sandra scaring me. Maybe my information's not sticking. All right. And then finally, not the finally, but well, the, the next- good thing is this is internet radio. It's streaming. It's live. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it a lot of places. So if you're like me and you just got brain saturated with that. You can just rewind. I was just saying, rewind. Again. Yeah. Some sometimes I do that with myself. I like to hear myself over oh, and God. over and over. So yeah, that'd be great. Other people would run out of the room, you know. And then you know, once you figure out what your objectives are, and you can state those and, and state them in a way that you know, at the end of my presentation, my audience will, you know, X. Right. The next thing you really have to start doing is gathering content. And when you gather content, let me, I want to spend a few minutes on this because in today's world, if you say something, the audience is probably grabbing their iPhone or their Windows phone or something like that. And they're, they're looking up what you say or they're checking you out. I mean, they're, they're valid. They're checking their email or hopefully not. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully you're such an engaging speaker that they don't do that. And when we get to virtual training, I will tell you that this is something new for me, but the, the most common comment that I get when I do virtual training and feedback is, well, I can't believe three hours just went by on the phone or listening to the radio because that was so engaging. I can't believe that just happened. And we hear this every single week. It's amazing. It's very validating for us. So so once you, you've got that down, you need to figure out how you're going to gather your content. So make sure you're not just BSing your audience. Be straight. Be factual. Be honest. In today's world, you can't just get up there and wing it. And I ask people, I've asked them really internationally, when you're given a new assignment, if you have to speak about something or write a paper about something, what is the first thing you do to get information? I'll ask Sandra, what's, what's the first thing that you do if you want to get new information about something you don't know about? I Google it. Right. And that's the number one response that I do with Google search. Second question, what is 90% of what you find on Google? Garbage. Garbage. Other people say it strongly, but yeah, great. Garbage is another good word. So, uh, so if we were to say, if 90% of that is garbage, what do we do next? Another search, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's great. Get the information you have. Now, once you do have credible information, whether it's from Google or white papers or subject matter experts, whatever it is, gather your thoughts. And now there's a couple of different ways to do this. And, And depending on who you speak to, they'll tell you one way is better than the other way. I always tell people this. However you want to gather your information and put together your presentation, whatever's best for you is the way that you should do it. So if you like doing the ADDIE process and instructional design, rock on. If you're someone that likes to just do an outline and go from an outline, great. If you like note cards, that's great too. If you like to just take a blank PowerPoint presentation and gather your thoughts and then sort things out in in PowerPoint, 
that's awesome too. Whatever works for you is the best. But I'm sharing right now with Randy Pays in my presentation because I print out little pretty slides with colors and then I put it in one of those old fashioned presentation binders. Right. And then I carry it with me because so many times the internet has gone out, the smart board has gone out, all these different things have gone out. So, and my presentations are set in these little books so that I can grab them with me at any point and I'm never caught like if my computer dies or I mean there's right. so many things that can go wrong with this. Right, and that's that's absolutely one of the best practices. And what I what I was just about to say uh, was, I preempted you. I got you something did. in you your conversation because this is no longer my radio show, it's the Randy Pays and Dog it's, and Pony show. It is no, it's always your show and I'm sorry. It just <laughs> it's like God of my way, let me talk. So no no. Love no, love Sandra. So no, and, and what you what you just brought up really, and that's great, because your mind is going where where my mind is going. So, you know, the thing with with technology nowadays, if you're someone who relies on PowerPoint or a teleprompter, let's say, you're you're really setting yourself up for for failure. And I've seen this happen. I don't want to give out any names, but very very high end speakers, audiences of ten thousand people. No kidding. Teleprompter goes out. PowerPoint goes out. And they walk off stage having a temper tantrum. I'm not exaggerating at all. Smart speakers have either note cards or they have what I call a speech book, which is what Sandra just showed me, which is your presentation, maybe with some speaking notes penciled in so that if the power goes out, you can still do your presentation now. Or kick it old school, which is what I call There you it. go. See, just kick it old school. Uh, I will tell you that some people used to give President Bush a, a hard time about his public speaking skills. I was very, very lucky to be able to go to the White House when President Bush was in office and actually meet some of his speechwriters. And, and we were talking about this. If you go back and look at film of President Bush speaking, you'll notice his arm going kind of on top of the podium. And you're wondering what that is. He's turning pages in his speech book because... Oh, yeah, he would lean over. Right, exactly. Oh, I because, just thought he had a bad back. No, he knows, he or he knew, that uh, this probably wasn't, you know, of his many fortes, this was probably not one of them. And so, uh, not not focusing on a teleprompter, but being able to turn the pages, he knew that if something went down, he could still walk off stage like a rock star because he had that speech book. So it's definitely a, a best practice. And I, I know we're getting close to commercial, but I don't want to leave before saying this about note cards. Note cards are great. If you use note cards, you might want to number them because uh, then when you drop them, it's easier to put them you know, in order because I'll tell you, note cards love gravity and they go to ground. Some people put that metal ring around them. That's great. So when you drop them, the metal springs open and launches your cards in the audience <laughs> so they can you know, hand them back to you in numerical order uh, unless you get someone like me in the audience who keeps card number 75 and so you're stuck in the middle of your speech. So uh, I, I would recommend a speech book. I'd recommend PowerPoint and then printing PowerPoint point out but always as sandra said have something there with you just in case yeah so. you need to kick it old school i mean these the technology yeah. is great but uh, you know even when we're on the radio i mean randy look around the sound studio there's two screens we've got a printout here we've got stuff on the big screen we've got so much stuff here um you know and then i have a smaller computer here that i can pull up and i can google things while my guest is talking so i can ask a good yeah. question if we get off topic so i think the key is to be prepared and then have your backup i mean it's really important now we're going to go to commercial 
commercial break, but before we do, I want you to check us out on iTunes. I want you to go to Coach Talk Radio Show. I want you to go to toginet.com and look up Coach Talk Radio because if you loved what you're hearing today or you missed the first part of today's show, you're going to want to get a copy of it. And the cool thing about what we do here at Toginet is you can get a copy of this sound file. You can download it to your computer, put it on your phone. You can sit down, take notes. It's like you went to a great class and you can really present like a rock star. When we come back from the break, we're going to wrap up this rock star presentation. We're going to talk more about tips and trips. Sorry, tips and tricks. We'll be back after the break. have a lot of spizzerinktum or the will to win, and you have a strong desire to be a part of your favorite sports team, the National Hockey League might be for you. Did you know that if both goalies on an NHL hockey team are injured, anyone at the game is eligible to step in and play the part? Teams have resorted to using their coaches, team owners, and even their web designers to fill in for injured goalies. It's as simple as slipping into your breezers or hockey pants. The original hockey puck was made out of frozen cow dung. The fastest puck shot on record was clocked at 114 miles per hour. And I'd like to take this opportunity to send out a special thanks to the men and women of our armed forces serving our country around the world. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Harvard Medical School indicates that the most effective method for losing weight is to cut back on your consumption of calories while bumping up your activity level. They use the example of eating a candy bar, which takes a mere minute or two. But most people would have to walk for over 40 minutes to burn those calories. Remember that 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat. Reducing your daily calorie intake by 500 calories and working out is a sure way to drop weight and increase health benefits. They state that you will shed approximately one pound of fat for every 35 miles you walk, assuming that your food intake and activity stay the same. That is encouraging news and very doable. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and we're visiting today with Randy Pazin and he owns Two Trees Leadership Training. You can find him on Facebook, P-A-Z-E-N. We're going to talk today in the last segment of today's show about tips and tricks and practice time. And you know, there's something they said I read about like you got to do something 10,000 hours to be an expert. Do you really need 10,000 hours? You know, I, I don't know because I think for some some people, uh, regardless whether you're talking about public speaking or other skills, some things are just innate with human beings. Other things you do have to work on and practice and, and develop a skill set. So I don't know, but I will tell you this. When it comes to, to practicing and, and really delivering a presentation, there are studies that say that for every minute 
that you are speaking, there's probably an hour of research and preparation and practice and all that that gets you to that presentation. So that that formula has has rarely been argued as as long as I've been doing this. But you know, one of the things that is very important is being able to to practice. And unless you are just a very gifted speaker and and dare I say a, a gifted BSer. You probably can't just get up, right? And, and you don't, I mean, you have to think about what you're going to say on the radio. You'll just get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm just going to wing this stuff. Well, you know, in the beginning, I would say, you know, I've been on the air for eight years. I have four shows, you know, so you think of all that time times four hours a week. And you're right. I mean, in the beginning, I used to prepare a mm-hmm. lot. Now I don't prepare so much. I actually ask the guests to prepare. Like you, for yeah. today's show, I asked you to, you know, get an outline to me, a headshot, a bio, all the things that I need to work from. But I couldn't do that when I first started, Randy. Right. I, I had to prepare everything, and I would make my bullet points and my notes and things like that. And then I got better at it. So um, practice does make perfect. And the more you practice or the more you do your job, the easier a lot of things become. Like, it's easy right now for me to watch the timestamp on the commercials, to watch the thing, to watch the little clicker on my, my lap to make sure that, that which I didn't, I didn't even start the, the there, counter. There you but go. But I can, I can wing it enough. That's because you're so engaged in my presentation. I've just completely oh, got you. very there. engaged There you go. So let's talk about practice. I, I always tell people you need to find a place that works best for you to practice. Now, I have taken groups of people out to the beach and spread them out so the ocean crashing drowns out any other distraction. Uh, I've taken people to the mountains. Do you, guess where the number one place that people practice presentations is? What do you think? Church? No. Interesting answer, though. Oh. No, no. Number one, think about where you have to practice. Where do you think you practice? Same place you probably do most of your singing. The shower? Shower, yeah. Number one place when you ask people is wow. they, they practice the shower. Now, that works okay. In fact, interestingly, a bathroom. Interestingly enough, uh, Winston Churchill used to practice a lot in the bathroom. He had this oversized bathroom. And, and, and if you're a fan of history, a lot of people say that Winston Churchill is one of the best orators uh, in, in our in our time. Speaker. Order, speaker, sure. I know. It's uh, just we don't have a thesaurus handy. I know. I'm sorry. Sometimes I try to use big words to make people think I'm smart. It doesn't work ever. What's interesting is, is that, that Winston never told his security detail that he was doing this. So he would be in the shower or the bathtub, rather, and, and say, you know, we will get them from the air and the land and the sea. And, and, and he would be so enthusiastic and passionate that the guards, you know, our equivalent to the Secret Service, would bust down the door. And there's poor Winston naked in the tub practicing his speech. They thought he was being attacked. And yeah, nobody wants to see that. No, but there's an interesting thing about Winston Churchill. I'll tell you a little bit of trivia if you guys will laugh because it has to do with speaking. Winston Churchill sometimes, I am told, because I wasn't there, uh, drank a little bit before you'd have to do these big radio dresses. And in today's world, we have, you know, we have body doubles. Well, back then they had speaking doubles. And Winston Churchill's speaking double was the same man who did the radio, the first radio of Winnie the Pooh. And when this guy was, I mean, he'd be doing one radio show and they would literally pull him out in mid sentence and say, you got to cover for Winston, read this. He would get confused and say, we will get them for the end and the end and the sea and poo and tinger too. Right. And then right. he's got he, rumblies he, right. and his tumblies. Yeah. It, it, it was crazy. So <laughs> we can't have Winston so, Churchill so have rumblies and his tumblies. Practice, practice, practice. And I'll tell you a little hint that I do with people. Uh, if you really want the truth, don't ask an adult, find a child. And oh, ask, yeah. Because children don't care about your feelings. They will tell you the truth. You suck. 
Or if you're doing like some people do magic tricks to get people's, oh, I know where that came from. So make sure that you ask, you know, someone who's going to be honest, not someone who's going to make you feel better about yourself. Well, yeah, because I asked my son recently, I said, you know, mommy's been downloaded millions of times. He was chewing his eggs. He looked up at me in all honesty and he goes, why? (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? So here's something else. So, so we talked a little bit about practice. Let's talk about body language for a minute. Now, this comes into play for both virtual and live speaking, because if, if you've never believed that you can hear a smile over the microphone, uh, listen to Janet Jackson. Because Janet Jackson's music, it comes across that she is smiling every time. Your body language says a lot. If you're standing there with your feet together, your knees together, your, your hands you know, in front of you, your arms crossed, uh, shaking your head, all these things are telling the audience how you feel. I'm nervous, I'm condescending, I don't care about you, whatever that is. I don't like you. I don't like, I don't like you, I have to be up here, uh, I'm about to pee because I'm so nervous. Make sure you're projecting with your body what you want the audience to perceive. Even if you don't feel it. Right. Exactly. You got to fake it till you make it sometimes. Well, that's the one thing that I'll say where my dad, my dad was Navy and, you know, he did a lot of military training with us kids and he would always tell us, you know what, when you get up in front of a a crowd, he's like, you know, stand up and he would give us parade rest, you know, all these different instructions, but they really did work because if you look confident and you sound confident, nobody has any idea of what you really feel inside. Right. And, And you have to also come to the conclusion that you are up there again for a reason and that you know something that you're going to tell the audience even if you think that they're so much smarter than you are no you're there for a reason again think of the plant if you want to exchange carbon dioxide for oxygen buy a plant put it in front of a microphone you'll be fine save a lot of time but that's not what you're there for you're there to convey information let's let's we've talked about eye contact a little bit it's very important that I just want to touch on it again that you you make sure that you are looking at the audience. You're not looking at a PowerPoint screen because if you are, then your butt is to your audience, and most of the time, people just do not want to look at your butt. So PowerPoint, if you're using that, or if you're using flip charts or something, those are tools to help you. But the show is you. You are getting the information across, not the PowerPoint, not the flip chart. So look at your audience. Again, remember the forehead. Don't look above their head. You look at the ceiling. Don't look down because then they're going to start looking down as well. Find those friends and don't go like a sprinkler. You know how, how those Ostling sprinklers sound? Oh, yeah, the sprinkler head. Yeah, your head's going like... Right, because that's hypnotic. Right? And, and you're going to put them to sleep. So don't try not to do that. Okay. Enough about eye contact. You know, one of the other things we want to probably touch on today is volume and being able to speak loudly. Or, or varying your voice. Like right. That's inflection. really big in, in radio. Right. So voice inflection is, is part of that. So let's talk about volume first. Most people, if you're doing a live presentation, uh, you're, you're not used to just projecting and, and speaking very loud. You know, speaking from the diaphragm. In, right, you're in, loud. I'm very loud, but you I do this really. For a, I do this I can for a tell living. You're sitting next to you, you are really loud. I am, but I also have to speak to a lot of people on, on, on sometimes a daily basis, and so I've gotten used to that. Uh, what's interesting though is when I'm not doing what I do for a living, I'm actually very quiet and soft spoken, but uh, probably because yeah. I'm saving my voice. So, so but sitting next to you, I got to tell you, 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 we can turn that volume dial down. 
No. So, <laughs> so, no. It took me 20 years to get this way. So, so what I would suggest to people if they are not used to speaking quite a bit is to really go out. Uh, I would suggest doing it when there's nobody around because they might arrest you. And, and practice counting to 10, starting with you know, one being you know, kind of soft-spoken, and then a 10, you are really projecting. 10! There you go. Well, maybe not that. Oh. So, so for those of you who just blew out your speakers, that was Sandra Beck. So, oh, come on. It's no, just a right, little levity. Right, okay, right, so exactly. we're going to project. Right, projecting. And, and then find what volume you're comfortable doing. And then, and then And then get used to dial in. It really should be about 10 times the volume that you're comfortable with. That's why they call it the 10x theory. It's the oh. 10, 10, 10 times that you're what you're comfortable with. So that's you know that's one thing with that. And then of course you'll as Sandra said, a voice inflection. So sometimes you want to be really like up and maybe emphasizing. Or if you're on microphones like talking very low because it sounds like somebody. Oh, Tony yeah. Robbins really good at that. He goes that oh, I'm Tony Robbins. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, it sounds like I am someone special because I lowered my voice on the microphone. It's really fun if you wear one of those we call them lav mics, the ones that that go you know up. If if you're a guy, they go up through your shirt and you know sometimes through your you know your pants and they they come out of a buttonhole and I've got this thing running through you. You you just pray to God that it's not going to shock you and that you if you do go to the bathroom that you've turned the microphone off so you're not projecting to a room full of people. Or has like a big vacuum cleaner horse. Oh, it's, hanging out. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, no, they they have their battery, their wireless stuff. But anyway, so so get used to the volume, and, and then that that inflection. You know, sometimes you're a little bit high. Sometimes also pausing to make a point because when you pause, it gives your audience a chance to to kind of reel it in and see what you're doing, and then and and reflect back. And also, if you're someone who uses filler words, those ums, the ahs, those types of things, by pausing. It will give your brain a chance to think about what you're about to say, and it will give the audience a chance to to really think about what you've just said and apply it. So pausing, slowing down will totally help you. Let's talk a little bit about stories. I love to do stories. I love to tell stories. And um, they're giving me like the hook. I have to be done in two minutes. I can't, I can't. We'll do. We'll do round two after this. No. No, so, actually, but there are three. There are at least three episodes in this series uh, with Randy Pazin. So if you love what you heard here, go ahead and check us out because you will find other shows with him on Coach Talk Radio because you are really good. Well, thank you. Uh, no, I'm embarrassed. All right. So uh, okay, get your story. I like so really quick about storytelling. If if you tell stories, and I do because adults tend to learn best when they can relate to what you're talking about. Right, Sandra? Well, and you've got the Bible. The Bible is full of stories. There That's how it teaches. There you go. And so what I would suggest is as you're telling your story, write it out first and then trim it and trim it and trim it and get it down to as tight as possible. So you're not rambling on and, and then, oh yeah, then my grandchildren told me that you just, you don't want to go off on tangents. So, so get that story down, trim it and never, never, never be the hero of your own story. Because then people are like, oh, well, what have you done for me lately? I don't care whether you've won. Well, or so they just many... think you're a big jerk. Well, right, exactly. Especially you know younger generations and millennials are like, I don't care whether you have 50 patents and you... you right, know, I'm so flu. tired of hearing about your degrees and right. your accomplishments. I don't really care. I want to know what you can do for me right what, now. What have you done for me lately? Janet Jackson again. Wow, two plugs for Janet Jackson. Don't even know her. So let me let me kind of wrap this up with one thing. Yeah, nope, sorry. I'm taking us to uh, break. So you're going to have to come back, Randy. 
Wendy, on another episode. We'll actually have you next week and the week after. We're visiting today with Randy Pazin, and you can find out more about him at Two Trees Leadership Training. Today, we've talked about how to present like a rock star. You can find this on CoachTalkRadioShow.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Toginet. There's this episode and many, many other great episodes like it. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck and Scott Frazier, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques from Coach Talk Radio.